0: Do you have that, Peter? Like when you make a phone call to like a, a main line, do they say, for English, press one. Oh, yeah. For Welsh, press two.
1: Yeah. For Simreg. Like... <laughs> it's a hard K sound, right. I'm Very right.
0: close. Sorry. Yeah, so it's we knew like I wasn't going to get that right. Option one. Oh, that's nice.
1: <laughs> yeah, option one. And and sometimes um, if if the English language is busy, like real busy, um, like a couple of weeks ago, my partner had to phone the hospital for something and he was on the phone for ages and ages and ages on the English line so I was like oh I'll do it from my phone on the Welsh line literally like that go straight through and I was like oh I'm not actually in Welsh I'm not actually calling for me I'm calling for my partner do you mind if he speaks in English and they were like yeah that's fine
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's funny bilingualism pays
1: anyway hail and welcome everybody to circle talk a podcast for seekers initiates and the curious by four alexandrian witches with endless different opinions we are your hosts
2: hi i'm james a high priest and coven leader from just outside new orleans louisiana
0: hi i'm g a high priestess and coven leader from the new england area of the u.s hi
3: i'm Josie, a high priestess and coven leader near melbourne australia
1: and hi i'm peter your host high priest and coven leader from south wales so We are a podcast where we talk about Alexandrian witchcraft and explore different opinions on how the Alexandrian tradition is practiced in various caverns around the globe. We just want to remind you that while we're all initiates of the Alexandrian tradition, we only speak for ourselves and not for the tradition as a whole, which, if you've been listening for any amount of time now, you know is an impossible thing to do. This is episode 24. You may want to take a moment to pause and go back to listen to our introductory episodes, episode zero introductions and episode one definitions, or check them out after you enjoy this one. In this episode, we want to delve a little deeper into the practices that could be found in British traditional witchcraft covens, and possible reasons as to why they're done, including the practice of being skyclad, why the group mind or group egregore is important, and anything else that pops up during the course of our amazing discussions. So as I just kind of said, if you've been listening to us for a while, you know that skyclad air quotes doesn't actually mean just being naked. It's more than that. It can be seen as a trigger to your mind and your body that something special, something magical is about to happen. Psychological triggers like this are nothing new in religions. The flickering of a candle, the smell of incense, chanting, and the space all help getting a witch or practitioner into that right frame of mind, that place of magic and dreams. A little while in our hectic lives where we can commune with our gods. All of these allow the witch to suspend, even for just a little while disbelief to allow that magic to happen so with that said today we're going to talk about ritual triggers being skyclad and its efficacy in ritual why set and setting is important and Kevin mind and egregore so all right high five let's get on the broom and go witches so let's just dive straight in and let's talk about some ritual triggers what are ritual triggers what do we all see as being ritual triggers, I know I've just mentioned a couple, but do we want to start off with maybe talking about ritual triggers that we have building up to ritual or in ritual?
0: so um it, I would be remiss to not mention incense, the most popular one, which yeah. you mentioned, and mm-hmm. there's some people who just manage to light so much incense that their whole home smells like a pagan store, like a metaphysical shop. I'm always very jealous because I walk in and I instantly feel very chill, like calm, happy. Um, when I instantly get that smell another big one for us is there's a couple songs that we play while we're lighting up temple while we're getting the candles lit Um, and we as we talked before we play music in our ritual and there's two different songs that we play for the circle casting so those are very effective ritual triggers triggers because they are on every single time so they work really well for us
3: really just anything that's going to click you into that ritual mindset definitely incense is a big one for mm-hmm. me so definitely also sound like the ringing of chimes drum maybe bells any of these things drumming's a big one actually in a lot of rituals I've been in and so it, for me it's one of my personal kind of really triggers for sure
2: I think it can be any devotional or routine that you've set up ahead of time whether that's your purification Process, set of exercises you do, um, but also little things like you said, incense, various sounds, etc. So a whole host of purposefully designed environmental aspects.
0: I know we're gonna talk about what we wear later, but some certain pieces of jewelry, when I put them on, I feel special. (laughs) It's like your special event jewelry, Um, and so some of that can sometimes just even the that preparation process, um, the routine of pouring the wine in the chalice, getting out salts, um, laying out the cakes, getting like those kinds of things, just start to, because they're routine and it's kind of a feeling of like, I know what I'm doing in this thing. It's almost mindless. I can sort of let start to let go of things can be really helpful.
2: My gardener and initiator calls uh, similar to putting the, the jewelry on, but the getting yourself done up ritual, putting your witch face on.
0: I usually call it because I like Eddie Izzard, um, getting tarted up for ritual, <laughs> but that's not as not as nice sounding.
3: I one hundred percent tarted up. Even mundane stuff like having a shower, pushing couches out of the way, all of this. It makes my brain go, "Oh yeah, I can see what we're doing here. I know what's
1: gonna happen." Okay, so I think for me, the whole build up to ritual, like the ritual bath set in the temple. Getting the altar tool shine because I don't think we've mentioned Brasso in a while. So I think this is going to be like the nod to the Brasso, shining the pentacle, getting the silver all nice and shiny. And that whole build up for me is a trigger for, for my mind and my body to know, right, something is about to happen now. Let's get into that mindset. And gee, I know you mentioned the incense, like, definitely, definitely, definitely. We've experimented a couple of times putting the incense on whilst we're getting ready and then waiting until we're actually ready, like all in a little circle at all the space. Um, and e- either way works for me. I smell that incense and I'm like, oh, there it is. There it is. Um, Something that I experimented with, mm, I think maybe it was last year, was drinking a glass of white wine before circle and then drinking a glass of red wine just before you go in to kind of gather like, hermetic balance going like if you think of the red light and the blue light if if you subscribe to that kind of thing um yeah just kind of getting that balance and i suppose there's just another reason to have another glass of white why not but yeah lots lots of triggers lots of triggers as we build up to ritual And then obviously everything we do when circle is cast major triggers to get into that mind space. Anybody else with this?
0: Some covens, some people, like you mentioned the wine, some covens and some people do use a little bit of any other kinds of substances to sort of like elevate them, lift them and move them into a ritual headspace. Ideally, you usually don't want to go too far to the point where you can't focus, can't concentrate or can't do what needs to be done. But you know, there are lots of substances that can just help remove you from just a smidge from the sphere of reality and sort of, you know, let you go to that other space. And there are many covens and individuals who do this um to great effect.
1: Yeah, I mean, I suppose, you know, especially with with you guys being in the US, there are substances which are illegal in some states and legal in others. So, you know, if you're listening from different parts of the us well all around the world really just you know check what's legal in your area um we also will use a fly ointment before ritual like it'll take anywhere between half hour to 45 minutes so even a full hour to kick in but the fly ointment is i'm like 100% certain i've mentioned this in previous podcasts as well but it's basically a combination of herbs such as henbane and belladonna Which, yes, before anybody starts, like, oh, my God, they're poisonous. Yes, they are poisonous. But alcohol is also a poison and the poison is in the dose. If you're going to take a lot of flying ointment and I say take you smear it over your body, if you're going to use a lot of it, then, yeah, you're going to get nasty symptoms which come up, you know, nausea, feeling dizzy, feeling sick. But just that right amount, like a like a thumbnail amount spread over a large surface area will mean that those alkaloids can be better absorbed into the body. And it just it just takes that kind of that edge off, as kind of like you were saying. I think when we talk about psychological triggers, I think it's important to maybe have a quick discussion about is it is it just a placebo effect? Is it just, oh well, you know, you're smelling something so so therefore this is gonna happen. Now I come from the opinion of even if it is a placebo effect, if it has the desired outcome, then that's just fine. It's like when you give um, little children maybe sugar tablets and you tell, and you say, this is going to help your headache. And we know as adults, as parents, whatever, it's just a sugar tablet, you know, even if it helps them, then I think that's okay. And I think from a ritual setting and a ritual purpose even if these are placebo effects, if it helps you get into that mind space where you can allow yourself to relax, to get into that state of mind, that frame of mind, then I'm all for it.
0: I fall very heavily into that camp in terms of placebo. Um, I don't think it matters over much. I think it it matters if you're going to charge people money for it, maybe, but, and you know, if we're doctors, but we're not doctors, we're ritualists. And I think if it works, it works. And the why's in my opinion, are not super duper important.
3: Definitely agreed. And it's the whole Pavlovian thing, too. Like, I'm pretty sure it's not a placebo effect, but if it is, so what? It works.
2: Even if it is a placebo effect, because you are purposely using it to craft your shift into the mindset, it becomes a valid part of the, the, the craft. So, you know, like all of you said, who cares? Whatever.
0: I think a potentially interesting discussion we could have one time would be like what witchcraft is or like how it works, because I think the intersection between psychology and witchcraft is a very heavy circle. Like that Venn diagram is is, is pretty circular. Um, and I think this way too about, about shifting into the ritual mindset. Like if this is just psychology, like you're tricking yourself, like then again, like that's fine with me because the whole point is that you are... Using your abilities to make sure that you get to the place that you need to get to, like using your knowledge, using your experience to get to where you need to get to, to make effective ritual happen. And I'm not I don't think there's anything wrong with using an understanding of your mind or the human mind to good effect.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I think that moves us into our next topic as well, which is I I suppose the the main bulk of this conversation of the of the chat today is about Sky Cloud practice within within Skyclad practice, there are lots and lots of triggers. But if we just start off talking about what Skyclad is and maybe what Skyclad isn't. Now, I know that there's at least one of us in the group chat that sees being Skyclad and being naked as not the same thing. Now, when we first started to discuss this concept, it was almost like a big revelation to me because I'd always kind of been taught or assumed that, being in Skyclad is just another word for being naked. But actually, they're not the same with it, James.
2: No, they're not the same. <laughs> One has to do with vulnerability and exposing uh, yourself. It's a very uh, Western cultural concept. And Skyclad's not that. You're, you're shedding that in a very transgressive manner. And you're shifting into a state of being where that and the ego are not prominent in your, your fore consciousness. And so you become clothed in the sky where there's, there's nothing but you and the kin of the rest of existence. So it's yeah. not about being naked. It's, it's being skyclad. You're entering into a different space. It's not that much different than the ritual uh, triggers and mindsets we were just talking about. It's right. a shift in energy and mentality.
1: Yeah, I think using those two definitions, we could probably say that being naked is almost like a precursor to being skyclad. You can you can be naked without being skyclad, but you can't necessarily be skyclad without being naked. I suppose it's, it's the, similar to all Wiccans are witches, but not all witches are Wiccan. And I think it's important as well for our listeners that we discuss that being naked doesn't mean that anything sexual is going to happen being skyclad doesn't mean that there's anything sexual that's going to happen i think in the west we when we talk about people being naked and nude we we automatically assume that that is a sexual thing and yes with the right people with your partners with people of your choosing it can be a sexual thing obviously but that's not the practice of being skyclad you know ritual nudity it it doesn't doesn't equal sex it doesn't mean sex it means as james has just explained being clad by the sky getting rid of that ego allowing yourself to be vulnerable with your chosen family with the other witches in the circle
0: this is really really important and i think that removing removing sex from the equation is a big part of the magic so to speak i don't know if Mm. magic's the right word but um it's it's part of the mystery right because this is a western-based Tradition. And there is a lot of those sexual hangups. Part of what makes this subversive is that inclusion of nudity without the sexual aspect. So other people think it's titillating, but the people in the circle understand it's not really about subverting societal norms. We're just doing it for us. It's about loving your body, accepting your body, especially people who think that we have a close relationship to the gods, who think that the gods are part of us. That's all sort of part of that mindset.
3: It's liberation from shame but on a very personal level and I think not to bring sex back into this conversation where we have just said it's not about sex but I think that's also why especially in the early days there was a lot of overlap between witch communities and queer communities but also kink communities as well Um, this same idea of liberation but shame I think there are a lot of parallels there
0: yeah I also I also think that's a good point about and like not wanting to add sex back in but that part of this is also just sex is not shameful right sex is allowed safe healthy sex between consenting adults there's nothing wrong with that
1: yeah and even though i'm trying to think of the right word i want to say some but then maybe most you know for those that choose to practice skyclad if you're in a btw coven and that coven practices being ritually naked or being skyclad You know, there are examples of this being shown in ancient times as well. This isn't just something that Gardner or Sanders came up with one night or any of their ever found in covens. You know, if we look at examples of in ancient Greece where nudity was associated with with the perfection of the gods, those practitioners, whatever they practiced, were naked as the day they were born into this world in front of their gods. So therefore, I suppose we're also trying to get back to that state as well. And then if we really quickly talk about, you know, the spread of Christianity and the spread of other religions, any associations that were positive that were being uh, that were positive with being naked were replaced with sin and shame. And, you know, that's that's not something that we do. But, you know, there are examples that we can see of being naked and ritually naked as well in in ancient times. Did anybody want to add anything? It's okay, cool. Let's move on. So then, I suppose the next part of this discussion is why why do we practice sky cloud? What are the pros? What are the cons? Thinking about bearing in mind those ritual triggers as well. For me, practicing sky cloud, practicing ritual nakedness, um, as as again, James already said, gets strips away that ego, and you could all turn up the circle. Some of you might be in jeans and t-shirts. Some of you might be in shorts and vests. Some of you might turn up the circle in a in a full tuxedo. Like, wow, that would look amazing. I think maybe we should do ritual in tuxedos from now on. But as soon as you get naked and become sky clad, you're stripping away that ego. Like, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say it. Naked bodies on the whole don't look really that nice. I don't think, you know, unless you are looking like a Greek Adonis and chiseled, like sometimes I catch myself in the mirror, and I'm like, "Oh, look at you, <laughs> You dirty thing. <laughs> this is going south now. I apologize. Back to the conversation, but being naked allows you to be vulnerable, and it allows that stripping of that ego. and you look at look at the other people, the other witches in the circle with you, and you're all as naked as the day you were born and and that is a that levels the playing field. It doesn't matter what social stat- status you hold it doesn't matter how much money your household or you has it doesn't matter about the car you drive what matters is that you're all at that same level playing field
2: look i know we're all gonna list some reasons and, and dig into this but i just have to say having practiced a rogue tradition and a sky-clad tradition it is so much more comfortable oh, definitely. I, 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 I live in louisiana i've practiced in South, uh, in North Carolina, I've practiced in Georgia, and it's just way, way more comfortable, especially when ritual turns ecstatic.
1: I suppose even just from a safety point of view, if you've got naked flames everywhere, apart from singeing your skin, singeing the hairs on your body, if you're wearing robes, you know, there is, there is a fire risk there. I mean, I also think that I've mentioned this in other in other podcasts that we don't have an extinguisher or a fire blanket in circle. We should, and I know we should. And I and I, Gina's shaking her head because it was G that mentioned this. I think before about you have to have a fire extinguisher or fire blanket. We don't yet, but my point is, is that if you're wearing robes and you're around open naked flames, naked flames, then there is a chance that you could catch on fire. And I've said this before, but we don't want to restart the burning times. Air
2: The first rule of witch club is don't burn the witch.
3: <laughs> for sure. I, I was nodding enthusiastically in an Australian way, um, along with your it's too hot for robes, Spear, James. Um, and, like, it's There's no laundry. Like, it's just practical.
0: So to provide, not really a count. I don't want to say a counterpoint, but. I come from a line that practices robe most of the time and I suspect that the reason that we practice robed most of the time is there's a really really tight intermingling with ceremonial magic with what we do and so I think there's just been some like cultural crossover where ceremonial magicians like to have all the robes and all the bling um so we practice robed most of the time and I agree about choosing your outfits carefully my high priest wears These long draping sleeves, and it really bothers me. Um, And he's aware of this fact because I think he's a danger to himself and others. You don't want to choose. And if you're going to outer court rituals or you're going to open rituals, this is probably good for you to hear because, like, make sure that you buy or make a robe out of like less flammable material, right? Don't like check for stuff like that. Um, You want things that you're not tripping over, like, you want things that are like comfortable, yes, loose and flowy, but not so loose and flowy that you can't keep track of where it is or where it's going um we do practice skyclad sometimes and i can like talk more about that in a minute but you know i guess i'm I'm not really trying to promote like a robed lifestyle because obviously i think skyclad is good and wonderful also i think it's just sort of like one of those cultural things that our line does and i think we do it because like we really like wearing different kinds of robes for the seasons like we like having um different kinds of like color associations and (laughs) <laughs> like really beautiful some people get like very beautiful sarongs very beautiful silks that they wear um and i think that that's just sort of like part of the dressing up and like getting into the ritual mindset and and
1: it's a it's sort it's of a trigger
0: it's it's part of the trigger thing i so i will put that out there that there are alexandrian covens who practice robed sometimes or most of the time you know certainly so when don't we practice rope it first of all Oftentimes in summer, people will forego robes. It just becomes a completely optional thing. People will sometimes start in a robe and end without their robe because and they'll just end up piled up in a corner because it does get too hot in Temple. Um, second, it is very fucking cold So <laughs> up in New England. So that's part of the thing, too, uh, although Circle always tends to be quite warm. I don't think but we can erase this. If so, I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a secret to say that initiations happen sky clad. Um, and so initiations happen sky Skyclad. And so that's why I will comment very often in seekers pages when people are saying, I'm looking for a coven that practices robed. I will comment and say, regardless, you need to understand there is at least one ritual where you will have to be sky And so like you need to come to terms and com- a comfort level with sky practice, because even if it's not something you do all the time with your coven, you're going to do it at least once and most likely many more times than once. So it's not, um, at somebody who comes from a line that practices robed a lot, I am here to tell you, it is not a viable option. I don't, I'm pretty sure to find a coven that you never have to be skyclad in, right? Or or where it happens so infrequently that like, you really don't ever have to even think about it because I don't think that's realistic. So if that's something that you're looking for as a seeker, um, I just want you to know there are covens that wear robes sometimes maybe even just in the winter there are covens that never wear robes but there are always going to be rituals where you have to be skyclad that is unavoidable um that is like a key part of the tradition and it just is a matter of frequency i guess
2: no, Oh, I, I i'm i get where you come from my first alexandrian coven was mostly robed most of the time yeah that is not the case with the second <sighs> Or the Gardenerian Covenant. Definitely not we, the
0: Gardenarians.
2: We we I had to own robes, right. but I have never worn them, <laughs> which you'll never ever
1: use. <laughs> I think they're there to say I have them. They're for decoration. Yeah. I always um I always like go from one end to the other when it when we're talking about Skyclad practice and robe practice because, <clears throat> and this might sound odd, but when when I'm robed, when I'm wearing robes, I feel pagan. When I'm skyclad and naked, I feel like a witch. I feel I feel Wiccan. We very rarely, as a group of initiates, and I'm speaking personally now, we very rarely do outside workings. You all know that it's goddamn cold, goddess damn cold, in Wales, even in the summer. So when we have done rituals outside, yes, we have worn robes and yes, we'll have stuff on as well as underneath our robes. And whenever I go to big pagan gatherings, they will have like people robed in the in the quarters, in the colours of the elements. And I'm like, oh, it looks it looks so nice. It looks so nice, but I'm like, but they are pagans. They are not the witches that I speak of. But I but like I do like the aesthetics of robes and and i'm the first to bang on about people getting into witchcraft for the aesthetics and if that's what you choose to do that's what you choose to that's just fine um it's just unfortunate that if you buy all these robes and you end up in a coven that practices exclusively sky clad always indoors you're probably never going to get to wear these robes unless unless it's that time between the last if you're the first person to have the shower or the bath and then there's like five you need to keep warm, you don't really want to put your clothes back on, so you wear a robe. Um, yeah, I, I kind of, I, I like the robes, I've got about three robes, very, very rarely do I use them. Sometimes I put them on in the garden, and just do a little bit of a twirl, just because I can. <laughs> and that's not even a lie, I did that with my first robe, I was like, oh, I feel, at the time I was like, I feel so witchy. But now I'm like, oh. pagans with the robes, witches with their skin.
3: I think it's a rite of passage to have to make your own robe. Another nod to Uncle Bucky's Big Blue, there's a pretty decent Ugh. robe pattern in there. There's also um, a lot of the Bible play patterns for making robes for Bible plays, um, the, the sewing patterns. Those robe patterns have pockets, so highly recommend those. And cuffs, like they're actually quite nice patterns. Highly recommend. Pockets and then are nice.
0: There's...
3: <laughs> pockets are nice. And there's this time on a tradition that I know of, I could name several priests that I know personally who have just folded a piece of black cloth in half, laid down on it and just kind of drawn around themselves
1: and cut it out. You know what, you can add, you can add me to that list because I, <laughs> I did that when I first tried to make my own role, but you know what I did? I brought the arms up. The, I, I brought underneath the arms too far. So I tried to get this bad boy on. Got it on. Took me an hour to get that off. Oh, I was like, I'm going to die in this robe. It's too small. I can't breathe. And it, like it's cutting under my armpits. Oh, it was awful. So now I just, I buy them. I, just buy I need the you robes. to
3: feel good. In the fact that you are not the only person who has done that i I know of other people who have done that um (laughs) another common mistake is that people draw too close and they end up with like a sausage casing
1: (laughs) yeah yeah that's basically what i had i was a ritual sausage (laughs) (laughs) we're not discussing that just yet (laughs) that's fascinating
0: um I, I'm really, I also sewed my own robe in college. I had a lot of help from my friends, but I did it. God damn it. And I still have it. Um, I, I had the opposite problem. My neck, I set my neck so wide that it like falls off my shoulders, like, and my sleeves are kind of like draping. Um, But um, I'm kind of surprised because I often tell people I'm like, the easiest thing to do is get yourself a bolt of really nice fabric, hem it and then wear it like get a nice a nice um how to wear a toga instructions or like wrap it like a sarong and bam like you've got a robe and you no sewing a so sew, no sewing required robe um no fabric glue either just tie that shit together um you know that's that's something that works really well
1: i have yep. thought about buying like just a spe- <laughs> just a spare duvet cover and just like cutting out the very the very top for the arms and the and then the top part for the neck. Hey presto! You put a you put a piece of piece of a rope or a belt a belt around that bad boy. You've got all the robes you can ever want, but a, like a, it's a thought. I've never actually done it.
3: People are one hundred percent going to know that you're wearing a Duna cover, though.
1: <laughs> that you're like, a, a, Peter, a, is that a is that a duvet cover? No. No, it's not a duvet cover. This is an expensive robe. I got it from Etsy. It cost me five hundred like, pounds.
3: Uh, there are press studs along the hem.
1: <laughs> and then I'd be like, "Yeah, that's when I sit down on the floor. I can, I can encase myself in my robe just in case I'm really cold. See it's practicalities the, of it."
3: The Ray Buckland like um, sensory deprivation robe.
1: Yeah, yeah. This is this is the advanced robe. <laughs> you, 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 Mia. You and me a first degrees, you don't know what's going on at the third degree robes. <laughs> oh, sorry, secrets.
2: So as someone who is downlined for from great 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 Uncle Pappy Buckland, I was actually taught how to make that robe. Um and wasn't told it was also in the big blue book. And was kind of past that information and I never actually um, used said robe but I was taught how.
0: Well, you have it for guests. We always keep a few extra because we do do open Sabbaths all the time. So that's another time when we're obviously, we do most of our Sabbaths robed because almost all of our Sabbaths are open Sabbaths. Um, And so people have their partners come, even if their partners aren't practicing pagans or friends or whoever. It's a good way for seekers to get to know us. So we do those robed. And um, it's nice to have guest robes on hand, you know, like you've got like a spare. Sometimes you have like spare house slippers for company. We have spare robes for company, always available in various sizes and shapes. Um, you know, a really nice like muumuu is great because it fits almost almost anybody. And then you just kind of have to like hike it up and like tie the corners. I've got a few robes that like are too long on me and I t- I just like tie them weirdly around my thighs and it's like whatever. But um, that's something that you can just have in your guest robe closet. James. I
2: I think that's interesting because unless you're an initiate, you don't guest. So, and if you do guest with us, you're going to be skyclad. So...
0: That took me a moment to figure out what you were talking about. Because you don't don't do open rituals.
2: No, we don't do open rituals. Um, But I have used the robes to wrap around statues when traveling, so I guess I kind of used it, but I wasn't the one clothed in it.
1: The gods were clothed.
3: I think it's worth mentioning also, I don't know that we did it explicitly at the start of this topic, but if you're a seeker, we have a lot of seekers with this podcast. If you're a seeker and you go along to do ritual with a coven, you're not going to be asked to get skyclad straight away. We've talked about that as a red flag in other episodes. So by and large, you will find that skyclad stuff for skyclad groups, we mean initiates. 100%. So you won't be expected to get skyclad until you become an initiate.
0: Absolutely. That is that is the case 99% of the time. I have heard stories of of covens who do skyclad with their outer court. It is never something that should happen in the initial few meetings, certainly um it skyclad is is not something that you should be asked to do until there's a trust and you know some kind of a a, a relationship between you and the coven where you can trust them and be vulnerable with them which is obviously not going to happen in the first few meetings i think if you're if you're asked to do it at a point where you still feel like you don't trust these people to be then it's it's not the time cuz the other piece about being skyclad is nobody absolutely fucking nobody is going to make a comment about your body Nobody, absolutely fucking nobody is going to make a comment about what you see, what you look like, what you feel like, like not at all. It's not done. And if it is done, you need to get the fuck out of whatever group that is, because that is that is like the five red flags. Nobody should like I'm even upset that Peter is like, I look at myself in the mirror naked sometimes and I'm like, I'm like, don't ever talk about yourself that way. Certainly not if you've just unrobed sketch, get skyclad to go into ritual like absolutely not because the whole point again of being skyclad or a big part of the of the piece of being skyclad is also like we are holy like our bodies are sacred and you know yeah, sometimes we, we, are divine. we are divine and so right. and we treat our bodies that way and so you want to be kind i'm not saying this is obviously aspirational a lot of the time but you would never make a comment and if you're not comfortable or you feel wary that somebody's going to comment about your body, like you don't feel then, those are not the people for you to be sky cloud with. Um, it takes work to build that kind of trust. I think for a lot of us have body hangups and it's just gonna take work, you know? But that that should never happen.
3: Trust, I think, is an absolute to you either trust or you don't. And that's worth thinking about.
0: Absolutely. I've I've seen um I've seen some really interesting comments about people who are uncomfortable being skyclad um even initiates who are d- who are uncomfortable i've i've seen people argue that they feel skyclad is is kind of sexist because um women's bodies as they age change more than men's bodies and a lot of women who are menopausal or postmenopausal have such bad body dysphoria that they feel like it's it's cruel to ask them to be skyclad i don't i am not yet postmenopausal but i feel like that's I'm sorry that they feel that way. I don't want anybody to feel that way. But I think actually the point of sky Cloud is the opposite. Our bodies change, but they stay divine. Like you have to live in your body all the time. And even if you have body dysphoria, and I'm absolutely not in a position to speak about the trans experience. So I'm not going to, but I think there are a lot of people who have body dysphoria to varying degrees. And I think even if that is the case, learning to appreciate the body that you're in simply because it's, It's the body you're in. So you at least have to deal with it, right? I don't want to say appreciate. I'm not trying to... I want to say this in a way that means like, I think it's absolutely valid that people are in bodies they don't like and that they need changing, but you still have to exist in it. And I think, again, not speaking to the trans experience because I'm not qualified to do that, but there are a lot of days I feel very uncomfortable in my body and I understand how people's bodies change and they feel uncomfortable in their bodies as they change. And I think that being the case... We still have to be in that body, and there are things that we can try to do to change our bodies, maybe, but some stuff we can't. And it's still divine. It's still I still have to be here in it, and so I need to learn how to be comfortable with it and see it that way. Is that all making sense? Like, because I don't want to, I don't want to downplay people's experiences and feelings, but I also want to say it's important that people come to come to a place of acceptance with their body. Again, for, in a cisgendered experiential way, I am not qualified to speak on transgender experiences.
2: I I understand what you're saying, and I, I I I hear it, and I understand people not being comfortable. Um, not being comfortable is part of the point. Um, however, I have not heard the idea of some people feeling that it is sexist before. I don't have immediate uh, thoughts that I can articulate on that. I need to sit with that um, because I don't want to run off with some bias, et cetera or my Perspective only, so I want to spend time and see if I can't educate myself and see from their perspective. So, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I get it, but I'm I'm not ready to jump on that conversation just because first I've heard it.
0: Yeah, so I I do want to say I'm not saying this. I I maybe I did this like in the way that news is like Twitter's blowing up and like five people on Twitter have said a thing. um I've seen like a handful of comments over all of the time that I spend on the internet, which is. A disgusting amount of time so I don't, i'm not saying that this is like a very common perspective i think some people are having this experience and um that is their experience because they're really struggling in their situation i don't personally find skyclad to be um sexist i think the idea behind skyclad is liberating however i'm just i'm just pointing that out as a means of getting to the idea that people are uncomfortable in their bodies because they don't like their bodies they don't like the way their bodies are changing. They've gained weight. They've lo- lost weight. They're aging. Things are shifting, whatever. And that's really difficult then to be comfortable being skyclad as those things are happening. However, yes, discomfort can be part of the experience. And also, I think it's really key that people learn to accept and live in their bodies um, because our bodies aren't going anywhere. And there's a lot of things, a lot of ways that our bodies change as we age that we can't do anything about. I guess this is what I'm trying to get at. Understood.
3: I don't know about you guys, but questions and uh, like nervousness about skyclad stuff seems to be one of the biggest things that comes up with people who come seeking or, or asking questions about Wicca. And it ends up being the smallest deal of all the things that mm. that people end up having to deal with. Um, I think there's a lot of cultural stuff attached to it. Just speaking to your comments about sexism and, and I don't know that it's sexist, but it's given me a lot to think about about women's bodies. I know one of the most frequently asked things that comes up, and Thorn Mooney has spoken to this, and I think she writes about it in her book as well, Um, people who have uteruses and get periods um, worry about, you know, what do I do if I get my period? People who, people with penises worry, you know, what will happen if I get an erection in a circle. I've seen that post a lot online, actually. So people have genuine hang-ups and concerns about their bodies and they're completely valid. And they're things that it's just part of the process and part of working through and you either you work through it or you don't. And I know that sounds overly simple and I am being overly simple, but it's not the biggest thing that you'll end up having to deal with. It's actually no.
0: I would agree with that. And I would say like, you should be comfortable with your coven to say, I'm a person who menstruates. What, do i do if i'm menstruating or if i'm on my period during coven time like what 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 does the coven do around that like do you have cuz in our coven if we're practicing skyclad usually people can wear a sarong around their waist if that just makes them feel a little bit more comfortable um if people need to wear underwear for whatever reason then and they can do that or and or like wear a sarong like we are um open to making those kinds of accommodations you know, for certain periods, if a person who has a penis does get an erection in circle, i like to just answer that FAQ. I mean, you can ask your coven, and I think you should, I will say. It's just not a big deal because it's just a thing that happens to people. And then it goes away. I mean, I don't have a penis, but that's been my understanding of the situation. Nobody, I've never had anybody in circle point and laugh or make a comment or say anything. I've never seen that. I don't think I ever would. If I did ever see it, I would lay into that person and they would pretty much be out the door. Um, So that's just like, to answer those, because I agree, those are the two most commonly asked questions. Um, And I'll I'll be like explicit, you know we you can you don't have to if you're not comfortable but if you're a person who has their period you can absolutely wear a tampon in circle that's perfectly acceptable but if you don't like to wear tampons like there are other options right so i mean all of these things are and nobody's going to notice it's candlelit (laughs) like there's just not um so i know i'm being explicit but i also think like that's part of this is like we need to be explicit about what our bodies do and talk about them
3: yeah and to all the seekers out there especially if you're a seeker who has been in a circle robed. And you got something out of that and you noticed that it was a sacred space times that feeling by about a thousand and you're getting close to what it feels like to be in a circle with people you trust entirely, entirely. Yeah. And if you don't, like if you didn't, you wouldn't be there. If you didn't trust people entirely, you would be standing there and they wouldn't have invited you to in this place.
1: I've um, I've got a couple of comments just as as you guys were talking, I was, you know, kind of thinking with regards to like the sexism part i think the fact that we can all be different ages and at different periods and stages of our lives in circle together taking away how i'm trying to not to be insensitive here but taking away how that person feels it is it is a beautiful thing there's a lot of beauty in witchcraft and ritual and magic and wicker and being able to see those those different stages of life in a physical embodiment i think is quite a beautiful thing but obviously that doesn't detract from how somebody feels if you're if you feel uncomfortable you feel uncomfortable what i'm trying to say is seeing different people at different stages of their lives in a circle full of witches that you trust is a is a beautiful thing
0: sometimes you talk about people doing work and people love to talk about shadow work and i think shadow work is just cleaning up your shit and like seeing a therapist and working through your stuff. But if you have an anxiety disorder or you have any kind of thing where you constantly feel like people are looking at you or like you think your friends must hate you or like you're always checking in like, hey, are you mad at me? I just wanted to check because- it it becomes really important work to learn to ask yourself the question, is this coming from inside me or is this coming externally? Because so much of our discomfort comes internally. And so if you're uncomfortable in ritual, it's really important to ask yourself the question, like if you're uncomfortable being skyclad, acting skyclad, being nude, it becomes really important to ask yourself the question, am I uncomfortable because I am uncomfortable with my body? And this is an internal hang up that I really need to work through. I'm not saying it's easy, but just recognizing that's internal or is this coming external? Like somebody has said or done something that has made me feel judged. And I do think it's really important to think through that. And, you know, if you're like, I feel like everybody's watching me take a moment and literally look at everybody and just check yourself. Are they, if all eyes are on you, then I understand why you feel uncomfortable, but sometimes it feels like everybody's looking at you. And when you look around the room, you're like, zero people are looking at me actually everybody's eyes are on the center of the circle or everybody's eyes are on the high priestess or like whatever um learning to do that it's not easy it doesn't mean the thoughts are going to stop popping up they keep coming but you just learn how to address them in the moment um, and try to check them it's work it's a lot of work but i think that's really the only way to sort of deal with that is learning that discomfort should be coming from inside of you it should never be coming externally if it's coming externally get out
1: yeah, and it's it's okay for seekers and even even initiates to ask these questions. Don't feel silly about wanting to ask these questions. As cover leaders, like like with the erection thing, like we've we've heard it so many times, or with with the like what what do I do if 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 I'm on my period? We've heard it so many times. You you're not going to be judged. You know, we've heard it in person. We've seen it online. And realistically, ninety-nine percent of the wicker will give you the same responses. It's fine. Let it go down for the one thing. And if you need to wear something, that's also fine. You know, I've I've been in rituals where ninety-nine percent of the witches have been naked and sky-clad, and there are there are other people who feel more comfortable with with something on, like like a sarong or like like something else that's a little bit free-flowing whatever makes you feel comfortable in that circle setting with perhaps, I mean, this was with people who, um, you know, I, I i didn't know everybody. And if I was that person and I felt a bit uncomfortable, then I would do what I needed to do to feel comfortable in a more intimate coven setting. I am completely comfortable with everybody there. And I'm okay with, with literally bearing my naked body to everyone that's in that circle because I trust them. But don't for a minute think that you're, you're going to be judged for asking these questions or we might laugh because that's not the case. If you've got a question to ask, we'd much prefer you to ask them than sit there biting your nails, getting anxious and getting worried of what an answer could be.
0: Because Wicca is a earth, is, is based on the things that are happening here, our bodies and all the natural function of those bodies is normal and like should be taken as normal. And so that's to go to Peter's point, like we've all been ask these questions and you know if somebody by the time people become coven leaders ideally they're perfectly comfortable having these conversations because wicca is about the stuff that's happening here in many ways and so that's all the natural functions of our bodies and the nature and everything
1: yeah and you know talking about sky sky cloud practice it is written into at least a few wiccan texts one of one of the most famous being the charge of the goddess which is publicly available you can search it up on wikipedia you type in charge of the goddess into um into google or into any of the search because uh, the search tools are available it talks about being naked in your rights and i think for a lot of wiccans and initiates that is something that, that we will quite often quote that the the goddess you know i, I put it in in a quotes because somebody wrote this you know, we know it was it was Valiente and she took her inspiration from um, Aradi Gospel of the Witches and and other sources, but she wrote that the goddess decreed that we should be naked in our rights and and, and therefore skyclad. So, you know, it's, it's also built into the texts that we use. And I think if we really quickly talk about if you want to start practicing skyclad and if you want to start practicing naked, but you feel a bit silly what are the things that we can do in order to kind of remove ourselves from feeling a bit silly? I think one of the first things that you can do is, is just to try and get it done. If you like it, great. If you don't, then fine. There are other ways of working security wise, you know, make sure that your curtains are not see-through. If you're worried about that, maybe you have blackout blinds, make sure that the doors are closed and that the windows are closed. If you're worried about people hearing you, you know just think think practically if you're going to be chanting or if you're going to be naked draw the curtains close the doors lock them if if need be if you live with a family or a partner maybe do it at the time when they're not around so you feel less or oh, somebody might somebody might see me or hear me and then I might feel a bit silly what what are what are your guys tips on on this on this bit of the topic
3: i think planning ahead big thing especially mm-hmm. if you're planning on working with more than one person. um, I don't live with my working partner and, and we both have romantic partners of our own. So we need to plan ahead and make sure we have privacy to do these things.
0: Yep, I would agree with that. Um... Right now in the living space that I share with my partner, if I need to do ritual, he has to leave the house. So I'm often like, hi, I have to kick you out of the house. Please find somewhere to go on Thursday. Like, will a friend take you in or can you go to your mother's or something? Um, And so that's a big part of it. Also, like setting up a routine around Um, closing the curtains, making sure. So just like make that a part of your preparation routine as well. I'm going around the house clockwise. Maybe I'm closing all the windows. I'm closing all the curtains. I'm playing music. If you're worried about being overheard, find music that works for your ritual and play it loudly enough that you feel confident people are hearing your weirdo music um, and thinking, gosh, those people have strange tastes and maybe just not hearing your chanting if you're self-conscious about it. Um, those Those are like the little things that, you know, you can do. Um, Similarly, like if you find yourself like in your first few skyclad rituals changing around other people and you're like, "Eh," sometimes it's the disrobing process that feels like the worst for people. Um, You can go into the bathroom, you know, or to ask, can I go into the bathroom at least to just take everything off and then just come out naked? And it's like, yeah, that's, yes, that's fine. I'm fine with that. Um, You know, nobody has to, there's something about watching, somebody watching you disrobe. That's just like, ugh um for a lot of people so like you know think about things like that where can you go to change what other thing can you put jewelry on that makes you feel a little bit more special and um more sky clad if you're doing this on your own more sky clad than naked for example
1: i can 100 percent speak to that that awkward feeling of of getting getting your clothes off i remember my very first um one of my very first rituals Obviously, apart from apart from the initiation where we were taken to a different room and we got undressed in that room away from the rest of the coven, away from the actual initiates, because obviously at the, at that point, I'm not an initiate. But I remember one of my first rituals as an initiate, I was like, oh, my God, it's coming. Oh, oh, oh no. Oh, no. So I, I, I think I remember getting undressed slowly so I didn't have to be the first person to be. To be naked in in that in that setting, so I was just like I oh, will just take off my t-shirt really slowly, take off my trousers really slowly. But I just remember the high priest just completely. It it, it was like in a flash, and he was naked, and I was like, ah, oh, okay, fine, that's cool. I'm 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 good to go. So then everything else came off. Um, I'm gonna make a suggestion because this is obviously a very meaty discussion, and hopefully the the listeners are enjoying this. Shall we? shelf, maybe talk maybe should should we talk about setting and setting an egg ago at another time. I think because I'm really enjoying this part of the conversation and and I think the seekers and listeners will get a lot more out of this than if we were to just try and tag this on the end.
2: part 2 standby.
1: R2 oh, standby. Good. Good stuff. G you okay with that? Totally on board. Cool. And I and I think Josie oh
0: no. as well. <laughs> Josie's Josie had to be right back because there's a spider. There's a spider. And God only knows what that means in Australia. Shit. We she's may got never the
1: flamethrower sp- out and she's fighting for it.
0: We may never see her again.
1: <laughs> what about what about you, James? You've got any any tips or pills of wisdom about, you know, maybe feeling a little bit less anxious when you're when Ritual- you're sky or naked. So
2: so leading up to you you ritualized it. Um in whatever way that may be for you you know there there are charms that can be said when donning robes well the same can be said when uh stepping into that sense of being before the gods there can be uh almost like shedding of your skin work that can be done as you're leading into to to help kind of frame the mindset and that's part of what we've we've been talking about is making that that in the way you think about things. But, but really, after the first time you've been skyclad, no one cares that you're not clothed, like at all. We don't have time to pay attention to it. I, we, we have the work of the gods to focus on. And if we're doing that yeah. in any sense of well, whatever that may mean, then we are drunk in the spirit before them in such a way that you hardly notice I find it more distracting to put robes on because it's so uncomfortable. But that's that's me personally. But Ritualize, the shift to Skyclad, can help. But really, after that first plunge, you're not going to be worried about it because it's like an epiphany. But it's not, oh, a big, amazing realization. It's how little of an impact it actually made mm. going forward.
1: Yeah i think the i think the very first time and possibly maybe the second time it's a little bit oh oh this is happening but after that it it, is you it's you just do it it's a part of it there's there's one point where one person will decide okay now it's time and then everybody kind of realizes what's going on and everybody else joins in so then you're all you're all ready you're all naked if you as james has suggested if you ritualize it then it just becomes a part of that buildup, which then also, linking back, becomes a trigger as well.
3: Big part of my epiphany, like, I think everyone has that moment. Um, And I don't know about you guys, but mine was like, oh, wait, everyone else is naked as well and no one cares. And this is actually really boring, like, like very mundane, the work that's being done. People are setting up and and getting ready, and this isn't actually about being naked. It's just a side
1: effect.
0: Yeah, and so... so Sorry, go ahead, Peter.
1: Yeah, I think like when Sanders especially Sanders and, and Gardner were talking about what goes on inside of a witch circle and they mentioned the fact that, you know, witches practicing their births out it was very sensationalized and you know, oh really? You, you you practice naked? And then when you come actually down to it, it's not that, it's not that big a deal. It's just something that we do. I think. I think maybe the media thought that we, that we were putting on like naked Wiccan catwalks in the temple or or in circle, and like that just doesn't happen. It's it's actually when you boil it down, a, a very boring part of it is just you just get naked and then you carry on with the work.
0: We can do that if we want.
1: I mean, now that I've said it, I I actually I actually want to build a little catwalk in temple and a Wiccan catwalk.
2: Okay.
1: Meld with the energies of what's going on. And if everybody else, if if you feel anxious or worry about being skyclad in a group setting, maybe maybe wait, maybe kind of do a pita and just wait and, and dress slowly until everybody else is. And then you just kind of go along with what everybody else is doing. Like if you forget your ritual positions or ritual words or movements, just kind of have a quick glance. You know, I've sometimes when I'm really tired... And I'm just kind of, and I know I shouldn't, but I'm not in that right mindset. I'll be like, oh yeah, what is it? Okay, yeah. So so it's this elemental pentagram now instead of doing whatever, you know, it's okay to look around and go with the flow, go with the energy, meld with it, and not kind of work against it. And that's I don't want to, I don't want to confuse that with, oh well, if if you it would prefer not to be sky clad, then there is no other option but part to be sky clad. No, that's not what I'm saying meld with the energies and if you're a little bit anxious just kind of wait and just go with it and then if you're still really anxious then you just you just say you know no one is going to say well you can't come in the circle then unless you're naked no one's going to say that you know yeah they were my points is there anything else that we want to discuss before we bring it to a close about sky cloud practice okay i think that just about brings us to the end of this episode so Today, we've mainly talked about two things. I know we promised you more, and, and this is a promise from me. We will include those things in the next Circle Talk podcast. But today, we've mainly spoken about ritual triggers and being skyclad and, and the pros and the cons and why we think there are possibly more pros than there are cons. Um, So next time, we will talk about set and setting, and egregore and and mind, and a number of other different topics. So I just want to kind of leave you with this thought that the choice to practice ritual nudity or to even be skyclad is one that should be discussed and agreed upon by the coven if that coven is establishing. If the coven is already established, then normally this information is offered up. If it's not, then just ask, do you practice naked? Do you practice skyclad? If they do, if they don't, Whatever the decision is, whatever the answer is, then obviously you might have follow up questions. Mm-mm, I've lost my thought to follow up questions because any decision that's made or not even made will have an impact on the at least the pre-existing witches and the coven's egregore, which we'll talk about in our next podcast. Remember that if you're solitary, you're a solitary practitioner of whatever path, of whatever choosing, then there's obviously no pressure for you to do anything that you're uncomfortable with, especially being naked in your rights. But obviously, that also goes for covens with the caveat of perhaps if you're joining, as I've already mentioned, a pre-established coven where there are common set practices, commonplace practices. As a reminder, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook as circle talk for witches that's the number four on twitter as circle for witches again the number four or you can drop us an email at circle talk for witches at gmail.com again the number four if you've got any queries or questions or thoughts or ideas for future discussions then please 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 do get in touch we'd love to hear from you from all of us at circle talk merry meet merry part and merry meet again